Welcome to the Belltale Rugby Podcast with me, Neve Campbell, me, Jonathan Bradley, and me, Adam McKendry. With expert analysis and special guests, let's kick off. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Belltale Rugby. My name is Neve Campbell, and as always, I am joined by our Belfast Telegraph sports reporter, Adam McKendry, and our rugby correspondent, Jonathan Bradley. At the weekend, a rampaging 59-16 victory over Tonga sees Ireland still atop of their Rugby World Cup pool as Andy Farrell's side delivered yet another message of intent ahead of this coming weekend's mouth-watering clash with the Springboks in Paris. Bundy Aki's performance in midfield will have stood out to many in that game. What do you think, Adam, overall? Overall, like this was the game that I had predicted a couple of weeks ago that Ireland would sort of flatter to deceive a little bit and it would be sort of their tough game in the pool where they maybe didn't quite hit the standards that they would set for themselves but they would still get the win and for maybe like the first 10 minutes I thought, oh, I might actually be right for once and then Ireland proved me very much wrong. So I think that's probably the most pleasing thing for Farrell because whenever you have such a convincing win in the first game against such subpar opposition the question is well how impressive was that win actually I mean even though they put up 82 points it's kind of like well it was Romania like what are you actually capable of to come up against a Tonga team that still aren't in that like upper echelon of teams that Ireland are going to be facing from here on out but are still a handy team you know whenever you have guys like uh Charles Piatai, formerly of this parish, you know, you, you've got some handy operators in your team. So to put 59 points on the board and be so comfortable against a team that could have bloodied their nose if they weren't on it, that is very convincing. And to me, it's just the, the different facets that Ireland had to their game. Like we saw multiple ways in which they managed to get it done through sheer power, through some lovely silky hands, for for example, for Sexton's try. Like it was just the variation that Ireland have. And I think it was Rory Best was saying in the studio after the game, I don't think there's a team at the World Cup right now who have more variation of ways to score tries than Ireland do right now you know um, South Africa aren't far behind them but Ireland do seem to have a lot of different ways that they can score and we saw that through the fact that you know you've got tries from backs you got tries from forwards tries from set pieces tries from open play I think that's probably the most pleasing thing for me from it is that Ireland aren't just hitting their straps in one particular facet of the game right now they do tend to be hitting their straps across the board and that's maybe where the challenge is from this game which is can you keep that going for the duration of a World Cup and I suppose it's good that they're getting South Africa this week instead of in the final week of the pool stages because they are still riding this sort of wave of momentum at the moment but for me I think if you're looking at that Tonga game you're coming away feeling very confident about where Ireland are as a team at the moment because really you're looking at it and saying you've had two games where you could have maybe had a little bit of a, a wobble, not necessarily a defeat because of the golfing quality between the teams, but you could have had a wee bit of a wobble in the performances. But Ireland looked like they're really dialed in right now. The team selection Andy Farrell made for the weekend there, Johnny, I think it surprised a lot of people. Um many fans suspected there'd be fringe players getting more minutes from the start against Romania, if not Tonga. And then as it turned out, Farrell went with a strong um starting fifteen for both and selected Sexton as captain uh, of the two stacked starting teams. 
Did that surprise you? Do you think he's shown his hand a wee bit to South Africa? I think earlier in the World Cup, or sorry, earlier in the World Cup cycle, I probably thought that they would go weaker against Romania because, as we've seen, Romania are, if not the worst team at this tournament, then one of the worst two teams in this tournament. To be honest, I think they're the worst team in the tournament. Um, I'm going to revise. I said Chile are probably worse. Chile have shown up Chile pretty class. well so far. Chile, I've got to give yeah. them credit. Chile are the team to watch, like not in terms of <laughs> underdogs. not not in terms of results, but they're entertaining yeah. to watch. Uruguay are entertaining mm. to watch. Like um, the South American Rugby Championship is clearly where the where the good rugby's at because those two teams have been uh, have been great to watch for games that you wouldn't necessarily have thought were going to be entertaining going in. But mm. um, once I think he picked a strong team to beat Romania, I didn't think that we were going to see a particularly weak team against Tonga because um, as we touched on last week and I sort of made this point in the paper as well, like Ireland fielded a weakened team against Japan in the sense that Johnny Sexton wasn't playing and they lost that game and it threw the World Cup completely off course four years ago. Farrell was part of that coaching ticket. Now, as he said during the week in his press conferences that it hadn't entered his mind, but Farrell is a coach that is, as any coach is, a composite of their experiences. He has had experience at the World Cup where rotating, resting your uh, most important players has gone horrendously wrong. So because Tonga was a live proposition, I didn't think he was going to rotate too much for that. As I said, you know, you could pick any 15 professional rugby players in Ireland and they would have beat Romania. But Tonga, that wasn't the case. Like Adam made the point there that it was a relatively tight game until Ireland opened it up with two pretty quick tries. One of them virtually out of nothing in the sense that while it was a good team try, Mac Hansen had to beat six or so guys to finish it off. Uh, in terms of showing the hands to face South Africa, like, you know, Ireland have been the number one team in the world for over a year. They've been this version of the team we've seen come together over two years, really. Like, I think these teams know each other particularly well. Anyway, like we'll come to talk about this weekend's team selection, but I don't think for all the talk about, you know, 7-1 splits, whether Ireland are going to go 6-2, whatever, 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 I don't think we're going to see too many surprises. I think this is a game where it is essentially, this is our best team, this is what we do, that's your best team, that's what you do, and it's just going to be seeing who comes out on top. Yeah, rugby more than... I think most sports there's there's not really much sort of hiding of your best team like te- teams will be very keenly aware like I think if you if we sat down we could probably yeah, I mean we're we're recording this on Tuesday morning South Africa are probably going to name their team by the time this is out but we could probably sit down and name South Africa's team off the top of our heads like there's there's not a massive amount of variation whenever you look at those top teams and you sort of decide, well, who plays here, who plays there, you you tend to know. So I'd, I wouldn't say, you know, Andy Farrell's worried that he's tipped his hand or anything like that. I mean, we, we've seen, you know, teams in the past, like South Africa and Wales are rife for putting out their teams early in the week and just sort of setting out a stall and saying, 
here's the team you're going to face. It's up to you to find a way to beat us and kind of like laying down that gauntlet of we're not going to try and play smoke and mirrors here and try and hide this from you. If you if you are really better than us, we're going to tell you our team five days in advance. And if you don't beat us, it's more egg on your face for not finding a way to beat us whenever you've known our team. So I I would say Andy Farrell's probably more interested in how his team are performing as his best team than South Africa knowing what they're coming up against. Speaking of that, we are recording this at noon on Tuesday and South Africa are announcing their team leader in the day. Um, but I guess ahead of that, how many forwards, and Johnny has asked this to the rugby writers with our sister paper, the Irish Indo as well, but how many forwards do you think Ireland and South Africa will have on their respective benches this weekend, Johnny? I don't think we see anything strange from either. So I think both go with um, their established order, which is South Africa to go 6-2. I, at the 7-1 thing, look, it's it's got good mileage, but it was, their hand was forced in that regard by, by a late pullout. And I think it's too much of a risk. Now, I also think it's too much of a risk to go into a game with only one recognised hooker and South Africa are going to do that. So quite clearly, I'm more conservative than, than Razzy Erasmus is anyway. But... I mean, they they would claim that Dion Furry is a recognised hooker. Possibly, I'm going to say as a forward, you can only be recognised as as one thing. It's going to be my uh... tell, tell that to Rob Herring all those years that he was coming on the back row because Ulster just did not want to take Rory Best off. It was uh, Rob Herring was an international flanker before <laughs> before he was an international hooker. Um, and I just think Ireland, you know, we sort of had this debate in the build-up to the November game as well. And that, I suppose, is the case study. Ireland didn't go 6-2 then, so why would they do Why would they do it now? Not so much even that they haven't, you know, Andy Farrell hasn't ever done it. With Ireland, you know, there was as much reason to do it um, in November as there is this weekend. Personally, I think that I would do it because I would want... I would want eight four eight back five forwards in my match day twenty three. He was counting there, by the way, if anyone <laughs> <laughs> on his fingers. Yeah, a, a real visual thing there. Um, <laughs> because I think if you look at what the and Jack Conan's back on the back on the training paddock today, uh, Tuesday. So that's the first time that Ireland have had uh, thirty three players on the training paddock. I think during is, this tournament. Yeah. Um, so you've got Jack Conan back in the mix, which gives you four back row forwards. You've got James Ryan, who's nailed on. And then you've got Tyg Byrne, Ian Henderson, and Joe McCarthy for one place in your starting 15. So if you only have five forwards on the bench, then one of those guys is getting left out. And that's ignoring Ryan Baird as well. So I just think you have so many good options in that uh, back five forward division that I would be really, really tempted and think that I would do it to uh, have the six forwards, have Jack Crowley on the bench, who we saw during the warm-ups, was moved around a bit. Um, we've seen him play centre. Uh, we've seen him play fullback. So you can have him as your 10 on the understanding that you're not going to take Johnny Sexton off anyway until you, unless you have to so you got him as the backup 10 but he could also cover the midfield and you could jig about to the back three as well um, with Crowley there 
and Conor Murray on the bench as your your backup nine. I mean, Conor Murray could probably do your job on the wing if absolutely necessary as well. And I think that's what I would do, but I don't think it's what Farrell will do. I'd fight Farrell with Farrell and name all your scrum halves and all your hookers in the squad and just, you know, have absolute carnage. Like, so South Africa starting, was it three or four uh, scrum halves in the same uh, game? Four scrum halves. Um, well, four scrum halves in their squad, I guess, and they were always going to use uh, always going to use them. So Romania was the game they used. The mode, like, because Romania were so bad and obviously at one point it looked like um, you were looking at uh, probably an 100-point-plus score before mm. the rain came on in that game. The most interesting thing about that game was always going to be what South Africa did at Hooker. I, led to believe that Andrew Pollard was already called up after he came through that game for Leicester on Friday. But I, I genuinely thought you were about to say Andre Pollard was going to start at hooker. Well, you know. <laughs> um, so what they were going to do at, at um, hooker in the second half once they brought him Bombay off, and as we saw, we had both Forey and Van Standen going in there, getting half of the second half each. So... It's going to be fascinating to watch because it's one thing playing against Romania, but if not even so much around the park, because, you know, Adam, you mentioned herring and somewhat tongue in cheek, but like there are similarities in the modern hooker and back row in terms of what we expected the, the breakdown. Ironically, nobody really better at that than Malcolm Marks, but it's going to be a different kettle of fish at the scrum. So if you bring in a specialized back rower into your scrum, an international level scrum, then that's a huge, huge ask for me. Look, Looking towards the weekend as well, South Africa are coming into the game with one foot in the quarterfinal after beating Scotland. And then after Ireland, they have Tonga and a two-week break before the quarterfinal. I suppose keeping all that in mind and as well as the fact that all the contenders have now played twice, are Ireland your favourites to win the World Cup, Adam? Even though they weren't as impressive against Uruguay as they were against the All Blacks, I would still have France as slight favourites. And then, not not to cop out on the answer, but whoever wins this weekend between Ireland and South Africa, I would put as second favourites purely because they're going to have the easier path through to the final, potentially, because they're they're going to avoid France in the quarterfinals. Um I think Ireland are going to win, so I suppose that makes them my second favourites just ahead of South Africa. But uh, for me right now, I still think France are the favourites, just as I said in a couple of weeks ago, just with that groundswell of support at home and the fact that they do have probably the most exciting team, but also backed up with a good bit of structure that they've missed for so many years, but they've now rediscovered again. Uh, I still think that they are favourites. I think if Ireland managed to maintain the form that they're on at the moment, then we're in for a heck of a final between France and Ireland. That's the way I see it going at the moment. And then given South Africa's injury problems, Johnny, are Ireland in a position not where they could win, but should win then on Saturday? I think they should be favourites and I think there's an, I don't know whether it's the World Cup or, you know, the history of the World Cup or whether it's something about Ireland. You know, I wrote a column about this today, like that uh, Guinness ad that we've now seen like three million times <laughs> um, during the World Cup of uh, think it, don't jinx it. But like, 
why would Ireland not be favourites for this game? Like, we're told that Henry Pollard isn't going to play. Um, so that's one. Malcolm Marks is two. Ebenezer Sabeth is a doubt, even though it looks like he is going to play. Lou Diager's already out. Lucanio Arms already out. That's five players out of a starting 15 that are either out or are coming in with a fitness diet around them. Whenever Ireland got beat in 2015 against Argentina, whenever Sexton, Jared Payne, Peter O'Mahony, Paul O'Connell and um, Sean O'Brien were either injured or suspended, we were told there's no international team in the world that could win a big World Cup game without five of their starting 15, the spine of the team. Like This is South Africa without the spine of their team. If Ireland aren't favourites this week, when are they ever going to be favourites against South Africa in a World Cup? Um, like, this is the equivalent of Ireland being without Gary Ringrose, Tyg Byrne, Johnny Sexton, and playing, having Josh van der Flyer on the bench as the backup hooker. Like, that's what we're talking about. So, should win sounds like you're loading it with an awful lot of pressure like South Africa are still a really really good team I think there will be one score in it but I think you have to give Ireland the edge I don't know under what scenario you would ever give Ireland the edge if it's not whenever they're the number one team in the world haven't lost in or sorry have won 15 straight games have lost two of the last 29 games and are playing a team with serious injury problems well, I, I was just going to add there, you know, basically to back up what Johnny just said, people tend to sort of fall into this idea. And I, I don't know if we don't talk about it with our, or we try to play it down with Ireland because, you know, we we are talking about Ireland so much that, you know, we, we don't really think about the fact that uh, Ireland are a great team but whenever you talk about you know South Africa are missing five guys you just sort of think well they're South Africa they'll replace them or if New Zealand lose five guys they're New Zealand they'll replace them but whenever we talk about Ireland have lost five guys it's like a national panic and you know we're all praying that they'll make miraculous recoveries if but the shoe was on the other foot everybody would be on Skyscanner looking flights home like oh exactly <laughs> and this and this this is what I'm saying you know like whenever the, if this happens to Ireland other other nations will be saying, well, it's Ireland, they'll just replace them. But whenever we talk about Ireland losing five players, it, it becomes a massive thing. And it's exactly the same for South Africa. You know, you have taken out so many key members of that squad. Like, I don't think, as, as much as I was joking there about them saying Dion Furry is a, is a recognised hooker, they've taken two recognised hookers to the World Cup and they've lost one of them for the entirety of it and not replaced them with another recognised hooker. Like He's a world-class hooker. And 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 to, one of their world class players. Yeah, and so that's something that absolutely is going to massively impact your plans. Like Lukanyi Arms, world class, and we've all just stopped talking about him because he's been injured from so far, right? Yeah. So you're you're talking like like South Africa are like a Khaleesi injury away from losing all of their you know sort of players that you could name. Uh, you know that you could go to any rugby fan and they would be able to name off the top of their head like it's there. there's just so many guys that are so central to what South Africa do who are injured that 
like and I mean look credit to them that they're finding a way to still maintain those high standards even without them but it's not an inconsequential thing that they are missing so many guys and I I'm I completely agree with Johnny like if you're looking at Ireland and you're not thinking they're favorites this week then when are you ever going to think they're favorites in a big game like this and again I do think it is quite an Irish mindset to sort of play your team down and talk like they don't have a chance you know with Northern Ireland it's always plucky underdogs even with Ulster I think Ulster have historically always enjoyed being those you know plucky underdogs and anytime there's sort of an expectation put on them they seem to struggle so whenever it comes to games like this I think it's maybe a little bit similar in that you kind of want to play your chances down but realistically you've got to look at this and say you're the world number one nation you're coming up against okay the world champions but without so many players at a world cup where so far you've had two really good performances where you've racked up a lot of points and a lot of tries what is what is going against Ireland in this scenario apart the only thing you could potentially say is mentality but if you believe everything that's coming out of the the Ireland camp at the moment, their mentality sounds pretty good. So for me, there's nothing really you're looking at and you're going, Ireland should be second favourites in this game. I don't know if you've even looked at the odds, Johnny. That's sort of your domain and it's not really where I go. But, you know, I, I would have thought Ireland were not comfortable favourites, but maybe more than more than three points at least, you know, like... Uh, the odds were actually they were very very even. I think oh, there was really? there was one point in it, um, swinging both ways depending on where you were looking. So uh, that's actually what it was looking at. That that was what actually made me think to write the column that I did this week of just the fact that Ireland aren't favourites and the fact that especially here, obviously maybe it's different on the ground. Maybe the Irish fans that are over there are getting more caught up in the buzz of it or whatever. But it seems to me on the ground that people are very much unwilling to embrace the tag of being favourites. And like, these are the good times. Like, fair enough if you're, well, either of your age, like <laughs> you've only had Irish rugby during relative good times in the sense of winning um, triple crowns, which was a big thing before, obviously. Um the teams went on to start winning Six Nations titles and uh, beating the All Blacks, beating South Africa, so on and so forth. But like, if you remember the 90s and Ireland were terrible, the fact that we would even be having this conversation would be ludicrous. So you might as well enjoy it while they're going on. Like, I'm not saying that we're going to go back to the 90s because I think the structures are in place. Basically, Ireland got professional rugby right. But like... You know, we're 20 years detached from this team being an absolute shambles, so you might as well enjoy it being good. Like I, I do think it is a real Irish mindset, though, of not really being favourites. Like Depressive humility. The, but, <laughs> the, but like Dan McFarland has literally said this about Ulster, that Ulster don't enjoy being favourites. Like mm-hmm. he said that after you remember the particularly one-sided Connacht game. And in the Aviva, mm-hmm. and he opined that he didn't think Ulster actually enjoyed being a favourite. So you know there is people that are more in tune with the mindset of professional rugby players than I am. Just sitting in a podcast studio talking about it, have agreed with this idea. Um, I've just checked again. By the way, South Africa are 
minus two. So uh, that's fair. So if you're that way inclined and really do believe that Ireland are our favourites, you can get them at uh, six to five. Do you think, given all this, because do you remember like Johnny, you thought that, we talked about how we thought the opening weekend of this Rugby World Cup was going to be the most exciting ever and it kind of didn't really land that way. Do you think this is going to be the most exciting game of the tournament so far? Yeah, I do. I think it means more to Ireland than it means to South Africa, just because of the fact that South Africa have already beaten Scotland. So it's not quite um, do or die. Whereas, yeah, I think the consequences of say Australia Wales this weekend are probably bigger in the sense that if Australia lose, they're pretty much out. Um. Really looking forward to Uruguay, Italy. I understand maybe not everybody will be at quarter to five on a Wednesday afternoon. But <laughs> that like, is such a um, nice chance. I'm, I'm psyched about that one. Uh, Tally's a rugby correspondent there. <laughs> Samoa, Argentina is also going to be good if Argentina are as bad as they were in the first game. But this is, you know, the top two ranked sides in the world going head to head on neutral ground. We don't often, I was going to say we don't often get this Ireland have never played South Africa in a World Cup, so I suppose technically we've never got this. <laughs> but like with these big um, Southern Hemisphere sides, so often when Ireland do play them, it's in Dublin and it's at the end of a long season for them and the start of the season for Ireland. So Ireland have this inherent advantage whenever they're playing these sides normally. So to see, you know, the, as I say, the two top-ranked sides, I'm not saying the two best sides, but the two top-ranked sides, playing on a level playing field with a degree of jeopardy like both these sides are going to go through anyway I think but with a degree of jeopardy given the quarterfinals and the makeup of the quarterfinals it's I mean it's it's fascinating like do you think we're going to see obviously as we are a Belfast based podcast do you think we're going to see any Ulster players um, really show up Adam also just to put out there Rob Herring is originally from Cape Town and he says all his family are sporting Ireland and his mom, <laughs> mum's coming over and everything to watch it so what do you think? Are we going to see any involved at all? You know if if Bielham's not fit then O'Toole will be on the bench Let's say uh, that Bielham is fit, right? Let's okay, For the let's, sake of this argument, let's say that he is. Let's say Bielham is fit. Because it sounded like you were really edging towards saying that there's not going to be any Ulster players in this 23. I am... Giving this podcast its headline. I am <laughs> not wholly convinced there will be. I Rob Herring's ma's coming. <laughs> well, like, she... If Sheehan is fit, which again, we're operating on a proviso that he is because everyone's trained, they've said he's going to be fit for the South Africa game, so we've got to believe that. Then he comes back in, and I think Callagher's on the bench. I think if Balaam's fit, then it's uh, then it's Furlong and Balaam. Now, I'm going to add the proviso that I think because Balaam was injured in the last game, they will not play him in this game because O'Toole has been good enough that they'll trust him to be on the bench instead of Balaam if, there, if there's a knock. He's in great spirit. That, oh, that's one of the cliches I love the most. He is in great spirit. But we're not going to tell you yeah. anything about the actual injury. And any time a coach is asked post-match about a, a player that's gone off injured, oh, he's in great spirits down there, you should see him. Yeah. I, I'd love to know what they're doing to show that they're in great spirits. <laughs> As they're resetting his shoulder. Um... <laughs> Henderson's probably the one who's closest to bringing it. Like, I I don't think we're going to see McCluskey and 
unfortunately, I don't think we're going to see him in the tournament at all now. That would be a particularly left field call. It, it would be an so extremely so left field call. It? But it, and I, I think that's really unfortunate. I, th- I feel like if you go to a World Cup, I, not that anybody has like some divine right to play at a World Cup just because they've been selected for the squad, but I think it's, I think it's really uh, unfortunate if you go to a World Cup but you don't actually see any action. Um, so Henderson for me, I think is probably the most likely to play, but you know we're we're probably going to say like as Johnny said earlier, James Ryan is going to start. Uh, Van der Fleer, Doris are nailed on in the back row, and you're probably looking. At, it's either going to be Conan or Omani in at the six or eight, and you're probably or sorry, they might they might put Conan at eight and move Doris to six, uh, whatever way they want to line up that uh, back row, and whoever probably doesn't start is going to be on the bench. So then it's the makeup of the bench, you know, where do, where does Tag Byrne fit in? Where does Joe McCarthy fit in? Where does Henderson fit in? You know, you you've got those guys going for the spots. I'm going to guess now. I don't think you're going to have an Ulster player in the 23 on Saturday. That could be our episode title. What do you think, Johnny? I don't think you can leave in Henderson out of the 23. I think it would be a massive departure from what we've seen from from Andy Farrell. I would start him. I was saying last week that I would start him. I now think having seen the fact that Farrell went with James Ryan and Tyg Byrne in the Tonga game, that I think that's what he's going to go with. So I think Henderson probably ends up on the bench. But I don't think you can leave Henderson out of the 23. If only because if there's no Ulster players in this 23 it's going to make my weekend very difficult and I don't want that. <laughs> well, Fingers on the, on, crossed. On the bright side, you could write the majority of your column. Um, <laughs> that, that, that's true. Before Just, the game even begins. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> File right on the final whistle because it's been written on Saturday afternoon. Well, this is interesting. Like, I, I knew this cu- question was coming and you were going to discuss this today, so I, sh- I should have looked it up beforehand. When was the last time Ireland played a World Cup game without an Ulster player in the squad it's happened more recently than you think oh really was it 07 um I think it maybe happened in 2019 oh god really I'm really far back then because I had to look this up for something no because you had you had John or uh, Jacob Stockdale at the peak of his powers back then so he would have started in yeah but most... we're not necessarily talking about a big game I think they rotated everybody for one of the games no no, it's not, not 2019. It isn't? No. Nope. Do you know why I think this is? Michael did a thing looking back at Ulster. Oh, sorry, sorry. Jordy Murphy started in that game. Out yeah, of out, out of the 23 altogether. Because we're talking as if Henderson is going to be on the bench. Like, I I, I think we're... I forgot Jordy Murphy started that Russia game. Yeah, I, I think we're pretty... Agreed that there's not going to be an Ulster starter. Like, I, I want to clarify one thing. I think Henderson should be in the squad. I'm not convinced he will be. That's that's sort of where I stand. I, I don't see any reason why Henderson should be dropped, but for some reason, I just have a, I just have a feeling that he will be dropped. But I think we're both in agreement that there's probably not going to be an Ulster starter in this game. In which case, you're. Well, well, sorry, no. In, in which case, you're not going back to 2019 because, as you say, Jordy Murphy started in that uh, Russia game. 
So you're probably having to go back a while for an Ulster player not to be involved. In 2003 in Australia, Ulster played Neil Doak, Gary Longwell, Paddy Wallace and Tyrone Howe all failed to get game time. And then in 07... I was going to mention that earlier because Neil Doak went to a World Cup because we're talking about Stuart McCluskey being unlucky not to play. Neil Doak went to the World Cup in 2003 and never got capped ever. So he's just there for the he great great front row seats. It, well, it wasn't that he uh, didn't get to play at the World Cup. He never actually played for Ireland. He was on the bench for Ireland. That is unlucky. Like that's lo- you must be so buzzing when you get called up and you have all these expectations. I actually think that's worse than just never being called up. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, and uh, like obviously in those days, if you're on the bench, you only get on if somebody was injured. So he sat on the bench, definitely against Fiji, and he went to the 2003 World Cup. Sorry, I say never got caught by Ireland. Never got caught by Ireland in rugby because he was a cricket international. Mm-hmm. In 07 in France, it wasn't a memorable time for Ulster players either. Simon Best suffered a mini stroke. A young Stephen Ferris was never deployed. And Paddy Wallace came home still waiting for some World Cup game time. So it could be 07 was the most recent. Neil Best came on in, I think, every game in 07 off the bench. There we go. So this is... So what was our what was our point again? This could be the first. Just when uh, when Ireland would have played a World Cup game without any Ulsterman in the twenty three. It's yet to be seen. Well, there there'll be lots to discuss whether Hendo gets on or not um, on Saturday. But we will be back again next week to discuss all of that. South Africa and Ireland play at in Paris at eight pm UK and Ireland time and nine pm in France. If you're over there listening to this, but I'm sure you obviously already know that. And until next week, thanks for listening. See you later.